0: And Stan Stanton here with ASEP Frontline, joined today by Dr. Lynn McCullough, uh, clinical professor of emergency medicine at the David S. Geffen School. Is, is it Geffen or Jeffen?
1: David Geffen.
0: David Geffen. Sorry,
1: David. Uh, school <laughs> of
0: Medicine at UCLA and the medical director for the uh, Saperstein Emergency Department in the Ronald Reagan Hospital in Westwood. Uh, emergency physician is the most important aspect of all of that. And what we're going to talk about today is uh, the use of Uh, aerosolized or aerosolized drug delivery and how that's kind of evolved, where it's come from, where we are, options for usage. You know, because we've seen, we're looking at, and over the number of years, we've looked and seen things that come out that help prevent um, from certain ways of administration, whether it be uh, intravenous or whether it be oral or whatever sites, Where how can we deliver medications uh, in an efficacious and yet least invasive manner. So let's start off by um, one Tell us about yourself and how you got into uh, the interest in uh, dealing with this uh, medication delivery methods.
1: So, um, I'm the medical director for the ER, and in that position, our respiratory manager came to me and walked into my office and pulled this thing out of his bag and showed it to me and said, uh, Hey, you, you should really check this out. And he turned it on and it starts vaporizing in my office. And the first thing I noticed is, It wasn't making any noise, and it looked really sleek and beautiful, and then uh, there's no oxygen in my office. And so I was actually able to, you know, feel this thing in my room, and I said, well, yeah, but how much does it cost, and what's the deal? And he said, you know, this technology's been in our ICUs and all of our ventilators for years, Mm -hmm. so we have now decided that we're going to make this where we can give it to our asthma patients, in the ER COPD patients. And I was like, well, I don't know. I was kind of like, well, let me check it out. And so he also showed me a video of a guy who actually was a respiratory therapist and had been using the traditional methods of delivery that we've all used. I mean, as ER docs, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've written like albuterol five milligrams with, you know, ipotropium back to back or doing continuous. And so he said, well, just just try it. Just, you know, what we're hearing is that maybe you want to give a little bit less of a dose. Well, this guy who was online they had a big tape of him, and he had been a super sick asthmatic, and um, he started using this way of delivering the medication, and it was a life changer for him. So instead of being in the ICU multiple times a month, so that kind of like pushed me over to try it, and the first time I did, I was like, oh my god, that's amazing.
0: So what is the aerosolized and intranasal oral delivery roots? What's the difference uh, in how this works compared to what we've had versus you know say you mentioned asthma versus the uh, traditional uh, nebulizer versus the traditional meter dose inhaler versus nasal atomizers for intranasal administrations? What's the difference in in how it works in in the delivery method?
1: Well, so I I think it's really kind of in the class of when we would use a nebulized machine. So we're all familiar with, you know, the traditional nebulizer that either RT or your nurse hooks up, squirts the Mm -hmm. medicine in and you hook it to wall oxygen and that sort of propels the medication in. Mm -hmm. So this is similar, except that you don't need the oxygen and it's It kind of vibrates the particles, so they're really, really tiny, and they get delivered more deeply into the lung because of that. So this is the patient population that you would think about using. This is the same patient population that you would use a jet nebulizer. So if you were going to do a meter dose inhaler for a patient because they ran out at home, you would still keep doing that. But if this is someone that you're like, hey, I'm thinking I want to do a jet nebulizer, you might think about using this technology instead.
0: How does it get the particles Because if we're using vibrations, I assume it's like, you know, if you... If you see a speaker with the vibrations and, and the moistures on it, you see it just kind of um, aerosolize up. I'd, is that the method? Of simplifying it for my own mindset? because I
1: yeah, that's I, about as, <laughs> as complicated as I, I get to. I think it's, it's palladium, which is a very special metal. And due to that, the way that it vibrates it makes the particles much, much, much smaller than if you just propel them using air.
0: How does this different? How does this versus the patient that's going to give you nebulize You mentioned the the, the one benefit that it doesn't necessarily have to have. Well, it doesn't have to have the wall oxygen uh, source in terms of the uh, propel. And basically the, the, the whole idea behind that is more of a percolator type approach to things um, how does it in this impact the patient in terms of options availability for delivery mobility resource allocation how does this really change things that we do because that's always the biggest question we have new technology is how does it benefit the patient versus what i'm already doing how does it change what i am already doing and does it make things cheaper more efficient or and faster
1: so there's a lot in that question. There is a lot. <laughs> so in terms of the patient, because patients come first, like most emergency departments, I have tremendous capacity problems. Mm-hmm. So I just don't have places to put people. And if you're waiting to take your asthmatic, your COPD, or until you have the traditional room where you've got your wall oxygen, you're going to have a backup if you have a high volume of these patients or certain times of the year. Mm-hmm. So for us, we, like many of the rest of the emergency departments across the country, we have a split flow model, and we like to keep patients vertical. Well, a lot of those vertical spaces aren't next to a wall oxygen. So you are able to deliver this anywhere in the department. And that was kind of a big game changer for us, um, especially when you have a lot of patients coming in. Like right now we're having fires in LA and we are going to get a high volume of these patients and we may not have rooms for all of them. So that's the first thing I think is a really big impact. The second is the medication is delivered so much more effectively when you get it broken up into those little tiny pieces and deliver it, that I have seen tremendous improvements in the patient's response. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and in my hospital, we have to have respiratory given. So, if I write for the traditional five milligrams back-to-back or even a continuous, our RTs are covering the ER floor and the second floor above. And Mm -hmm. so they've got to create a pocket of time where they're going to be sitting at the bedside or that they're going to be able to do those. And I don't know about you, but like I say Q15 and I'm like, did they get the first one? And then it's like another 40 minutes and then maybe they're back. And so you just don't see the effect and efficacy for the patient as if I can just give the medication one and done and it goes all the way deep in the lung.
0: Now, does it make a difference? You mentioned the particle size impacting so I assume uh, there's there's data research that suggests that the speed of delivery speed of or overall improvement in symptoms times is we're going to get a benefit out of that as well
1: yes absolutely so there's been a number of studies that have been done to look at that and each one of them has demonstrated decreased lengths of stay decreased readmissions and and the most profound the one that you need to know if you're going to actually try this is it takes a lot less medicine
0: so it's really the bioavailability more than anything else with getting it to the lungs as opposed to yep. most of it getting parked in the back of the oropharynx. And, <laughs> right, in upper, in <laughs> or like airways. an MDA,
1: MDI with no spacer or Without something like that.
0: spacers and breathing chambers and all that exciting yeah. things. And, of course, trying to get a kid to do that is always, always exciting and fun.
1: Well, it's good that you brought up kids because that's the other group of patients that I've seen really benefit from this newer technology because – If a child has their first asthma attack and you walk Mm -hmm. into that room and you've got that peace pipe and it's blowing and it's loud and they have to kind of sit on the patient on the mom's lap or dad's lap close to the wall in order to be hooked up to that oxygen, you change that game. So it's now a silent delivery system and it really doesn't have a lot of um, loose vaporizing into the universe. It actually more effectively gets delivered in the mouth, whether you use the the mouthpiece or the face mask. Unlike the old ones, you remember, like they're flicking yeah. the end of the thing, trying to get the bottom yeah, of the, the liquid, the liquid the to come up. Bit of, uh, yeah, the and you to get down and there. you definitely don't need that. So, yes,
0: but you know, just just the whole idea of the noise, because with kids, they hear that. Of course, getting close to them, that that noise of the bubbling, as well as the kind of the airflow, uh, the the. Turbulent flows well, and it devices. looks smoky, right? It so it's kind of scary. Yeah, it's and a little scary. There's a lot to it in a situation where the kids nervous and not trusting anything and scared about the situation where things are going. What is the the research saying? Um, we've talked about some of it in terms of that uh, benefit, but where is it saying in terms of that? Because uh, you touched a little bit in the beginning on that role on who uh, who is who's the one that's um, age range and population that this is going to be. I'm going to turn to as opposed to other technology or approach?
1: So from the literature itself, they've had really good uh, results in both the adult population and the pediatric population. And they've looked at all comers, like the Dunn study had 1,600 patients, and they just sort of said, okay, we're going to alternate, we're gonna give all this whole month, we're gonna do jet nebulizer, and then the next month they're gonna do vibrating mesh technology and and see how that works and and how it compares. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they've also done it in pediatric population with moderate to severe asthma. So for me looking at that and having used it, I kind of will focus more on those moderate to severe patients. Mm -hmm. The ones where they've either had recent um, visits in the ED, they've had past hospitalizations, some, if, if somebody's been to the ICU or been intubated for respiratory failure, I immediately go to this technology. I don't even bother at all with anything else.
0: With regard to, uh, with all of this, is, is I assume you're now uh, using this pretty frequently in your department. You mentioned the initial introduction as, as you got a little um, episode of maybe some essential oils or something inside <laughs> the office or whatnot. Uh, how is it, how do you feel like it's impacted your flow, your patient care, the management outcomes.
1: Yeah, it's it's been very profound. And initially, you know, when I was trying to do it and it hadn't really caught on, once I realized how great it was, then it was having to make sure that I could get that machine to the patient. Mm-hmm. And so if there was going to be any delay and anybody had to go get that little um, battery controller to hook it up to this uh, device that actually delivers it, Um, that was a barrier. So then I was like, okay, well, in these rooms where we usually put a respiratory patient, so I'm going to put the aerogen device. And then I need two of them on the poles because we have that split flow vertical model. And so now that it's increased in availability, it's now basically in every room so that Uh no matter where a patient gets placed, even in the hallways or in an internal waiting area, I'm able to do the aerogen if I want to use it. And if I don't, you know, then it's not a big deal.
0: What's the footprint uh, footprint or requirement for the uh, system? Is this something that's uh, pocket size or is it something that's going to take up a bunch of room in the, in the department? What are we dealing with?
1: So I just mounted those controllers. It's a little tiny battery, like the size of an old-fashioned, not an old-fashioned, probably <laughs> like a modern radio, um, maybe, you know, a couple inches, maybe an inch thick, and you just we screwed it into the top of all of our headboards, and uh-huh. then I just mounted it on a pole. So it's just that and, um, it, and it's charged so you know after it's used it goes back into a wall outlet so that it maintains its charge and that's about it because the other piece is what um, the RT puts the medicine in and it looks very similar in size to you know the traditional jet nebulizer.
0: Okay so still another uh, disposable aspect of it mm-hmm. for the on the patient mm-hmm. end of, of everything mm-hmm. and I mean it sounds like if you're getting it into every treatment space accessory this isn't uh, prohibitive technology like the ultra you know, getting a $40,000 ultrasound machine. That's, <laughs> right. I mean, maybe you've got a de- department that can put a ultrasound machine mounted in every single room, but.
1: I can't even get a computer in every room. For <laughs> most of us, it's just getting
0: one ult- ultrasound machine. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty good. accessible technology, easy to use, durable. I mean, how much of this is in the market, and how long has, has all of this been going on?
1: Well, uh, I learned um, once I got you know into this and became fascinated with the impact that it's having on the patients, and and my workflow because I can do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it that actually this vibrating mesh technology has been in our ventilators and unit in ICUs for like 20 years. It is the standard of care for delivering any aerosolized medicine. Okay, and so. Um, it's, it's long-standing technology and well-proven. And then I think they just realized, hey, maybe we should just try this for individual patients. And now if you do it, you'll probably have the same experience I've had. If you take an asthmatic who's used to the traditional uh-huh. and they're really having a hard time and you give them this, they're like, how do I get this? Um, because they want to have it at home, they don't want to use their you know old-fashioned machine at home either.
0: If people have uh, questions and, and thoughts about this, how can they get in, in touch with you uh, to dis- discuss it further or see kind of where things go with it?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I definitely would recommend looking up like the Dunn study, which was done 1600 patients, and then the pediatric studies that were done um, both in Texas and in California. There's a couple really good ones to just kind of get familiar with the difference in dosing. Because if you were just going to take this to your RTs into your docs you really want to have some understanding of that and then of course I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about it because I think I'm I'm one of the champions of it certainly in California because it, it's really if you have an impacted department and you have a high percentage of patients with asthma or COPD I mean it is startling you do it one time and you're going to be like wow that's a big difference.
0: And It's, it's amazing to have this, this there's been a bunch of trends and change and in the respiratory world, whether it's the high flow uh, technologies, whether it's the allowing them to go home. Because this this time of year, um, you know, California, you're dealing with the fires and our area right now, we're dealing with all, of course, all the fall related stuff with all the trees and grasses and everything deciding to make everybody feel terrible. And so we're seeing a ton of COPD, a ton of asthma you know, a ton of reactive uh, type symptoms, not only from those types of things, but the viral syndromes uh, that are going well, uh, going uh, around. While you were uh, sitting there talking, I was looking up uh, some of the data and to get pictures of, to see what everything looked uh, looked like. I mean, if you're interested in seeing some of those, look up the uh, aerosolized drug delivery and you'll get it Aerogen, Yeah, Aerogen is the company. Yeah, I mean, it's a consideration. The whole thing is how can we uh, get things into the emergency department that are, cost-effective, so cheaper than some of the more invasive technologies, safer for our patients, more convenient for our patients, and honestly improve the efficiency and throughput of our emergency departments. That's... Uh that's kind of the key and as we move these technologies you know you'll find some that you, you'll love and throw in right away or mount to every single headboard mm-hmm. uh, in the rooms or uh, there's other stuff that uh, may not fit your market. and so you know taking a look at these things and seeing them as they come along, especially new ways of delivering things and uh, how they will potentially change the way we manage uh, conditions in the emergency department. So uh, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it Dr. Lynn McCullough. You've uh, got her contact information. Say it one more time.
1: Uh, Lynn McCullough, M C C U L L O U G H. And you can find me through UCLA's website.
0: All right, UCLA. And. Um and also, I'm
1: sure if you re- if you reach out like online, there's probably a way to reach Arigen, and they could connect you as well. It might be easier. Sometimes those firewalls with the UC system, it'll be hard to find me.
0: Well, I can't even get emails at my hospital anymore because they <laughs> they blocked everything because apparently people yeah. can't stop uh, clicking on clickbait and phishing scams. So yeah, exactly. Um, as for me, you can contact me at youreverydaymedicine@gmail.com, youreverydaymedicine@gmail.com, or at everydaymed on Twitter. And until next time, I'm Dr. Ryan Stanton, and this has been Some ASAP Frontline.